Romans chapter 9, there are verses 22 through 29, and Paul points out that the Old Testament prophets do two things. The first thing they do is they warn of the Jews individually becoming vessels of wrath, and they also point to the Gentiles becoming vessels of mercy. And in Romans chapter 9, verse number 25, the Bible says, and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he had afore prepared unto glory. Uh, even us, whom he hath called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. Here's verse 25 of Romans 9. As he saith also in Osei, that's Hosea, I will call them my people, which were not my people. Who do we talk about this morning that God is turning toward? Or has already turned toward? Gentiles, right? In the Old Testament, they were not his people. Now they are his people. And her beloved, which was not beloved. Now look. Uh, verse 26, and it shall come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them, ye are not, here's the phrase again, my people. There shall they be called the children of the living God. Verses 25 and 26, it's a quote from the Old Testament prophet Hosea, chapter number 1, verse number 10. That's the cross reference. And on Hosea 1, the Lord is predicting the restoration of Israel and He is pointing to the remnant of Israel and that remnant will be saved. It's just right now that remnant is scattered. <clears throat> and in Romans chapter 9, what do we see? Um, in verse number 26 at the end, let's look at the end of this verse here. There shall they be called the children of the living God. How are you called that? You have to what? Trust in Christ. And then you are called the ch your children of the living God. Not all of Israel, not all individual Jews choose to receive Christ as their Savior. If we looked at earlier in the passage, we don't have a time to unpack all of it this afternoon, but the Pharisees, they wanted sacrifice. They didn't want God's mercy. God's mercy is always available to them. The Pharisees wanted sacrifice. Go to Matthew 9 and let's look at some examples of this. Matthew chapter number 9. Keep your finger in Romans 9. Matthew, Matthew chapter number 9. Matthew 9, verse number 12. Matthew 9, verse number 12. But when Jesus heard that from the Pharisees, He said unto them, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy, he told them, and not what? Sacrifice. That's what the Pharisees wanted. For I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. The Pharisees didn't go and learn. Yeah. They didn't learn their lesson. That's, 
Jesus told them to go do that, but they didn't want to go do that. They'd rather have sacrifice in, instead of mercy. Um, so they complained to Jesus about, you know, well, you're not keeping the Sabbath and, and the law this and the law that. They didn't care about mercy. That's a Pharisee. They're looking to find fault. They're not looking to find mercy or grace in a situation. Go to Matthew 12 and let's look at verse number 7. Matthew 12. Matthew 12, verse number 7. It says, But if ye had known what this meaneth, they would have went and learned, he says, I will have mercy and not sacrifice. There's Jesus saying that again. Again, Ye would not have condemned the guiltless, for the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath day. And you have to understand, it's if they had known, if they had learned. There's always that if. When you give someone to the truth of the gospel, it's, it's if they are going to trust it. It's if they are going to receive it. It's if they are going to go and learn and dig and study on their own and really seek God. If's a big word. Um, you even see the Lord there's always going to be people that don't get it. And the Jews didn't learn. That's why even Moses said unto the children of Israel, remember he told them back in Exodus, I think it was 30, verse chapter 33, he said, you're just a stiff-necked people. And so now, and we talked about it this morning, those that were not a people are now a people. And in the great that we can be a part of that. We know in John 1, he came unto his own and his own received him not and so corporately as a nation the jews have rejected christ individual jews right now during the church age that we're in when individual jews receive christ that's part of the remnant of true israel that now is right now part of the same body of christ that we are we're not trying to get an individual jew to be restored to their nation we're trying to get an individual Jew to trust Christ and be part of a body. We're not trying to get them to be part of some national revival. We're trying to get them to be part of the body of Christ that we are in right now. All right, amen. Let's go to Hebrews 10. Keep your finger in Romans 9. Hebrews 10 we'll get though. You can't trust in yearly sacrifices, which is what they did um, in the Old Testament. Look at um, look at uh, chapter ten of Hebrews, verse number one. It says, "For the law, having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect." Now, if you are a Jew in the Old Testament and you were making sacrifices, every time you made those sacrifices, you would be reminded that you were a sinner, and you would be reminded that sin needs a sacrifice. And it would be constantly in front of you as a Jew. But they can't point to that as if that is going to do something for their spiritual condition. 
So in verse number four, watch what it says, for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. It can't happen. We know, go to verse 10, how can it happen? Here's what they have to get. Hebrews 10, verse 10, by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for Jews. <laughs> once for Gentiles. Wrong again. Once for all. <laughs> That's the sacrifice, okay? That's the dividing line. We are all sinners. And until an individual Jew gets a hold of that, just like you and I would, they're going to just remain blinded. In Hebrews chapter number 10, let's, let's read verses 11. We'll read a few verses here. Um, watch what happened. And every priest, verse 11 in Hebrews 10, standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices. Now that's some pretty good discipline. If you think about your life and what you're disciplined in offering up to God, if it's nothing, it's an undisciplined life. It's, if it's something, that's pretty good. But if you're a priest, you have a pretty disciplined religious life. And that's a good thing. But then the Bible says, which can never take away sins. It couldn't take away anybody's sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool for by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Look at verse number 40. Or uh, in chapter 11. We're going to skip all the way to verse 40 in chapter 11. And then I'll make a comment here. God having provided some better thing for us that they without us should not be made perfect. You've got Jews and you've got Gentiles. You put all of us together and there is something better than Old Testament sacrifices. Hey, Pharisees, quit wanting sacrifice. It's been made. Hey, Pharisees, why don't you get your eyes set on God's mercy instead of the sacrifices that y'all kept offering year after year that can never take away sins. Mm -hmm. Get your eyes focused on God's mercy. Yeah. He had a one-time sacrifice and it's over. I guess this will be a study. I don't know how we got altar calls, but... I guess you can do a study on that. Ezra talks about a pulpit being made of wood, the Old Testament prophet Ezra. I, I, I think we're stepping onto the pulpit. I, I think that's what it is. But when you say come to the altar, what does that mean? As any, some Roman Catholic background here, right? What did we do as Roman Catholics when we came to the altar. It was a, you know what the priest did on the altar every Sunday? A sacrifice. Oh, that's the mass. That's the sacrifice. 
It's offering up the body of Jesus Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. I'm not saying don't tell people, hey, come to the altar, but you better tell them why you're asking them to come to the altar and what you mean by come to the altar. Because <laughs> to me, what that means is, oh, you mean the priest is going to do another sacrifice? I thought Hebrews 10 said we're done with that. Are you coming up to pray? Because the sacrifice is over. People want sacrifice and sacrifice and sacrifice and God says, I've got mercy. <laughs> the sacrifice has been done. Stop asking for more sacrifices. Yeah. It's been done Damn. once for all. Praise the Lord for it. <clears throat> so in Romans 9, when it says at the end of verse number 26, there shall ye be called the children of the living God. We talked about it a little bit this morning. You're not a Gentile dog. You're not reduced to that anymore. Now a Gentile can be called a child of the living God. Look at verse number 27 in Romans 9. It says, uh, get Genesis 22 as well as a cross-reference so we can read them both together. Genesis 22. Genesis 22 and Romans 9. We'll do Romans 9 first. Romans 9, verse 27. The Bible says, Isaiah also crieth concerning Israel, though the number of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea, a remnant shall be saved. Now, you see that word remnant? That remnant's going to be saved. And it says, uh, of the children of Israel, be as the sand of the sea. That brings us right back to Genesis 22. Let's look at that cross-reference. Genesis 22, look at verse 17. That in blessing, I will bless thee, and in multiplying, I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is upon the sea, uh, seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. Look at verse number... Uh, okay, so in this verse, what do you see show up twice? Thy seed, thy seed. Okay? Romans chapter 9, what did you see show up in verse number, uh, verse number 29? Had left us... A seed, see that in Romans 9.11? Except the Lord of Sabaoth had left us a seed, we had been as Sodoma, that's Sodom, and been made like unto Gomorrah. You see that in Romans 9 verse 29? What is that seed is what I'm getting at. What's that seed? Genesis 12, Romans 9, what is that seed? That seed is... Romans 9.27 Of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea, a remnant shall be saved. What am I saying? The seed in Genesis 22 and in, and in Romans 9 is the remnant. The remnant will be saved. And God always has a remnant. But that remnant is going to be, is going to be saved. 
The Old Testament speaks a lot about the remnant, that seed of Israel, that remnant seed. And eventually, when the Lord comes back, that remnant is going to turn, look upon Him in whom they have pierced, and they will finally trust God, and they will that nation, that will be born in a day, and they will be, they will be saved. But let's look, let's just get some Old Testament so we can get our eyeballs on some of this. There's so much in it. I'll just have you look at a few. Go to Isaiah 1. We'll just do a little study on this. Isaiah chapter number 1. This is our cross-reference from Romans 9. Isaiah 1, look at verse number 9. Isaiah 1, verse 9. Except the Lord of hosts had left unto us a very small remnant, we should have been as Sodom and we should have been like unto Gomorrah. Isaiah 1, 9 is your Old Testament cross-reference that comes from Romans 9, 29. A lot of nines in that, okay? But you see that remnant. See that very small remnant. Go to Isaiah 10. Look at a few of them in Isaiah. Isaiah chapter number 10. Look at verse 20, 22. Isaiah 10, 22. For, uh, verse 21, we'll step it back. The remnant shall return, even the remnant of Jacob, unto the mighty God. For though thy people Israel be as the sand of the sea, comma, yet a remnant, see it show up again, of them shall return, the consumption decreed shall overflow with righteousness. Okay, we see that. We talked about it in Genesis 22. We see it cross-referenced in Romans 9. We see Isaiah talk about yet a remnant. Go to chapter 11 of Isaiah. Look at another one, Isaiah 11, 11. The Bible says, And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set His hand again the second time, here's the phrase, to recover the remnant of His people. You can't read through the book of Isaiah and not get the picture that God's not done with His people. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's all throughout the book of Isaiah. It's all throughout the Old Testament. But it's so clear in Isaiah. Look at verse 16 at the end. And there shall be a highway for the remnant of His people, which shall be left from Assyria like as was to Israel in the day that He came up out of the land of Egypt. You know, the remnant pictures some things. Go to Isaiah 46. Isaiah 46, look at verse number 3. Hearken unto me, O house of Jacob. And here it is. And all the remnant of the house of Israel, which are born by me from the belly, which are carried from the womb. Here's the thing about the remnant. The remnant pictures that the majority isn't right. You have a whole nation that goes after, goes a whoring after other gods and is stuck in spiritual adultery. 
but you have a remnant that doesn't. What happened in Elijah's day? And he's bringing down, he's bringing to shame these prophets of Baal. Elijah thinks he's the only one left. That's remnant thinking. Remember we preached that message and we, we all got that lesson about uh, Elijah and we shouldn't think like Elijah, like we're the only ones left. And God finally had to tell Elijah, look, I've got 7,000 other men. <laughs> and we saw how Elijah's frustration grew because he keeps looking at Obadiah, who's supposed to be one of the lords, and he's hiding in the cave and he's not doing anything. What is that? That's remnant thinking. God always has a remnant because we feel like Man, everybody's against us. We're the only ones left. We need to think like the remnant. I'm not saying that. We have to understand we are always going to be outnumbered. Don't look at the big carnival churches and say, uh, make some type of comparison, like, well, we need to do this for that. No, just have that thought in your mind and know that we are always going to be outnumbered. Why? Because we are the remnant. <laughs> we are. There are small little churches that are just pinpointed in, in cities and reservations across the United States and we're trying to do something for God. We're the remnant. And guess what? God's nation, there's always that remnant of people and it's not going to go away. And that remnant, at the end, when God finishes this whole thing out and comes back, They've got a special place for him, or he has a special place for them, rather. That was some in Isaiah. You don't have to turn here for the sake of time, but Jeremiah talks about, I will gather the remnant of my flock. Ezra says, yet will I leave a remnant. Prophet Amos says, the Lord of hosts will be gracious unto the remnant. Micah prophesies, I will surely gather the remnant of Israel. Uh, talks about the remnant of Jacob. Uh, Zephaniah, the coast shall be for the remnant of the house of Judah. Uh, Zechariah, I will save my people. Uh, it, the, the seed shall be prosperous. I will cause the remnant of this people to possess all things. That's the remnant. And if you read Ezekiel, the last eight chapters, you'll see what that remnant will get to enjoy in the millennial kingdom. But we have to understand, God's people, there's a remnant. Us now, in this church age, we are much like, I mean, we're remnants. Not, we're not Israelites in that sense, national Israel. Um, but we feel like we're outnumbered, and that's, that's okay. All right, let's, let's move our thought from remnant. I think we've got that understood. And let's get Romans 9 with... Um, with Daniel 9. Let's get Romans 9 with Daniel 9. Okay, Romans chapter 9. We'll back it up at 25. And he saith also in Hosea, I will call them my people which are not my people. And her beloved which was, not, which was not beloved. And it shall come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them, Ye are not my people, there shall ye be called the children of the living God. Isaiah also crieth concerning Israel, Though the number of the children of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea, a remnant shall be saved. For he will finish the work 
and cut it short in righteousness because a short work will the Lord make upon the earth. Now that short work is a reference to 42 months involving the fulfillment of Daniel's prophecy. That's why I ask you to turn to Daniel, which we'll go there now. Daniel chapter number 9. And here's the short work. Here's the finishing of the work that Daniel prophesied. And we see it here in, chapter, uh, in verse number 24 of chapter 9. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people. Who is the thy? Israel. That's the people. The people of Israel. And upon thy holy city. And the holy city isn't Hammond, Indiana or any other city where there's a big independent Baptist church that had somewhat of an influence uh, in, in the United States. It has absolutely nothing to do with that. It's not in Murfreesboro. It's not in the Vatican. It isn't anywhere. It's, a, it's upon thy holy city. That's Israel. That's Jerusalem. To finish, this is what is going to be happening. This is what must happen to Israel. To finish the transgression to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, and to bring in everlasting righteousness, and to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the Most Holy. My sins have been paid for. I have God's imputed righteousness. None of these six, these six things that are listed in Daniel 9 has absolutely no application to you or I as a born-again Christian. Yeah. Jesus said in John 19, it is what? Finished. Yeah. For you and I as a saved, born-again child of God, it is finished. In Daniel 9, who is it not finished for? The nation of Israel. And God will come back and he will finish the transgression. He's just not doing it right now. He's coming back. That's Daniel 9. And by the end of the time of Jacob's trouble, you know who you're going to have left? A small remnant. Yes. That is what, or who rather, will be, will be left. Alright, get back to Romans 9. Romans 9. And get Ezekiel 16. Romans 9 and Ezekiel 16. Let me see here if we want to do this one or not. I think that's right. Why don't you get Revelation 11 too? We'll just do a quick stop there. All right, Romans 9, Ezekiel 16, Revelation 11, and we'll close out with these three verses. Romans, uh, Romans chapter 9, watch what it says in verse 28. For he will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness. Because a short work will be will the Lord make upon the earth. That's Daniel 70th week. And 
as Isaiah saith before, except the Lord of Seboeth had left us a seed, we had been as Sodoma and been made like unto Gomorrah. Do you know why Israel in all of their depravity has absolutely nothing to complain about really? Why would Sodom and Gomorrah be brought up in here in, in, in this situation? Israel went a whoring after other gods. You know what God did to Sodom and Gomorrah? He destroyed it. <laughs> you know why Israel has absolutely nothing to complain about? Because God didn't destroy them. Mm -hmm. What is that? National election is what that is. That's called God preserving what He said He would preserve. And it's and it's only by God's grace that that remnant is saved. Now look at Ezekiel chapter 16 because these are very strong words in Ezekiel 16. Ezekiel 16 verse 48. As I live, saith the Lord God, what an insult this is God gives them. Sodom thy sister hath not done, she nor her daughters as thou hast done. Thou and thy daughters, man alive. That's like somebody talking about, when we were kids, somebody talked about your mom, you'd be ready to fight them. <laughs> it's just, you, you, you have insulted my mother. Now we're going to fight. God, God says Sodom is their sister because they're so wicked. They got nothing to complain about because God didn't destroy them. Look at verse 49. Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom. Hey Israel, your sister Sodom, you're so wicked. He says, watch, pride, fullness of bread, and abundance of idleness was in her and in her daughters. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor or needy. Look at verse number 56. Here it is again. For thy sister Sodom was not mentioned by thy mouth in the day of thy pride. Remember I asked you to go to Revelation 11? Look at this one. Just one verse, but I'd rather you read it with me. Revelation 11. <coughs> Jerusalem is spiritually called Sodom and Egypt. Look at this. And their dead bodies shall lie in the street of the great city. Watch this. Which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. That remnant, those tribulation saints have left. They've already fleed to the mountain. And now the son of perdition is now reigning. And spiritually... They're as dead as Sodom and Gomorrah. Now why was Sodom destroyed and not Jerusalem destroyed? Talked about election. Why? Because did, did God have a covenant with Sodom? He didn't. God had a covenant with one nation. So Israel is compared to Sodom and Gomorrah because they're so wicked. But Sodom was destroyed. God didn't have a covenant with Sodom. He had a covenant with Jerusalem. He had a covenant with Israel. 
And so there's there's a difference there, um, and that the purpose of God, the purpose according to election might stand. That's the idea. When Lot got out of Sodom, Lot, if if he got out of Sodom, he did what? He lived. But Sodom, the city, was destroyed. So you have a national scope or a city scope, and then you have an individual or personal scope. And when we talk about election, it really, we need to draw the lens back. I know I've said this before, but I can't say it enough. When we talk about election, it is a, you have to see it as a corporate entity. You have a corporate nation that's elect. You have, for us, a corporate body that is elect. Individuals that get into those corporations, for lack of a better term right now, are now considered part of that election. So that's uh, Israel as, a, as an elect nation. Still, individuals will be considered remnants who fully trust God. Everybody got the difference on that? I trust that you do. All right, we'll finish it up here. Romans 9, verse 29. Romans 9, 29. We'll finish it out here. And Isaiah said before, except the Lord of Sabaoth had left us a seed. Failure of man doesn't stop the purpose of God. We had been made as Sodoma and been made like unto Gomorrah. That seed, except the Lord of Sabaoth, has left us a seed. God offered Israel a princely position on the earth. What did they do? They turned their back on God. They could have been shining as the stars of heaven, but they went whoring after other gods. They turned their back on God. So God, we talked about it this morning. We'll finish up the thought this afternoon. Now he's gathering unto himself Gentiles and Jews, but he's gathering unto all so that his house may be refused. So if, if one refuses, if one refuses, if the nation refuses, God, it doesn't end God's purpose. He will find another vessel of mercy. To be placed into his church if you refuse God will find another vessel for mercy if you refuse God will find another vessel for mercy you can't stop God's plan yeah. except the seed except the seed a remnant